Great. So um, we asked Marvin to come and come and speak and come and share. Really, how there were there were sort of two things. One of them is being aware of um, this calling on us to be a, a place of prayer for the city, and uh, wanting as part of that, we look wherever we can to be involved in the life of the city and want to support those who are leading the city and so on. So so we. So that, that was one thing. Look, how can we be praying for the city? And particularly, we asked Marvin to, to share on the kind of return from COVID and um, what does he expect to be the sort of significant challenges and issues coming out of COVID. Um, and then I don't know if you want to mention about the um, events of the last week or not. Feel free to or not. But come and take a stand here sure, and I'll, sure. I'll move the other way around. Thanks. Can I get that thing to put my iPad on, Chris? Yeah, sure. All right, thank you. It's always harder to speak uh, at your own church. I speak all over the place now. All party parliamentary uh, panels speak at the UN. And uh, yeah, church is different (laughs) to your own uh, group. So, rebuilding uh, Bristol after hope. A friend of mine, I'm going to break it into three sections, right? I'm going to talk just about the context we're in. Which is, which is known, it's, it's nothing new um, in Bristol, but sometimes just to kind of set it out just might help to talk about the scale of the challenge, um, to talk about how we go about that. And I think it's more than a question of culture. Uh, sorry, it's more than a question of policy. It's also about culture. Um, there's the famous Drucker comment, isn't it? Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Um, and then sort of thirdly, I just want to, I'll say something about the church. And I will share a, a point, particularly in light of what's happened in the U.S., which is a bit of a global culture, because I do have something burning inside me about that. And Chris, you can give me an indication here. So a Lebanese friend of mine uh, said a number of years ago, um, said a problem well-defined is a problem half-solved. And I think um, really understanding the nature of the challenge facing Bristol, the multidimensional nature of that challenge is something we haven't quite got to grips with. We have people coming from different perspectives with different passions who drive their definition of the challenge, which is dominated by their experience or their view of Bristol. It's this development here, it's this cause here, it's this political question. And, and, there's, and, and what we um, have to do, if we're serious about you know our future, is learn a way of defining uh, challenges that are multidimensional because our lives are multidimensional, our cities are multidimensional, as is, as, is our con- as is our country. So the broad brushstroke for us is that we face a challenge of rapid urbanisation. Bristol is about 465, 466,000 people. The anticipation is that our city is going to grow by nearly 100,000 people over the next 25 years. Now, you lay, so, so what we're not doing is simply meeting the challenge of what there is right now. All right? We're meeting that challenge in the face of a growing city. Um, we are a city with a history of fracture. I've shared before, I've grown up across those fractures, race and class fractures uh, within the city. Fantastic story to tell to the outside world. You know, wonderful, but you know, process culture, foodie city and all that. But we know that tens of thousands of people in Bristol don't participate in that and actually don't feel a part of that. Um, we have those ongoing crises, so we have to face that urbanisation while dealing with our existing housing crisis, but knowing that if we don't do anything, 
we are going to have more of a housing crisis um, in, in the future. And linked to that is the health crisis. Ten-year life expectancy difference, about 13 to 16 years healthy life expectancy difference in the city. That means the point at which people become unwell, unable to work, families become carers, need uh, state support, and all that. And obviously housing is, is, is a part of that. So we have these... We're not standing still in the crisis problem as it is today. We're trying to build the basis for dealing with that challenge in the, in the future. On top of that, we have to meet those challenges which require the use of resources, energy, in a way that doesn't destroy the planet. So we have to decarbonise the solutions to those problems, which is a challenge because that takes billions of pounds uh, and cities don't have billions of pounds. So the question is, the relationship with government, relationship with um, uh, investors, be they social purpose investors or private investors, that money has to be mobilised, otherwise cities will not decarbonise. And ecology. Uh, so we have uh, a loss of species uh, in the city. Our insects disappearing, and actually, I think it was... Uh, I always get the, the bird... I'm not a bird watcher. I always get it wrong. I like to look at them, but I don't know what they're called. Um, it might be swifts. Since the 1980s, we've lost about 95% of our swift population in Bristol, which, which is just, it's just staggering. And anyone who's involved in Avon Wildlife Trust will be able to put me right uh, you know, on that. So meet the needs of growth, which requires energy use. Do not destroy the planet. Do not kill biodiversity. Right? There's another angle to that, that that feeds off those last two, is that we need to, we need to meet the challenge within our city boundaries but I think we have a responsibility as a city to have a global purpose and, a, and make a global contribution as well. And I said in the cabinet a few years ago, you know, we shouldn't... And I, it's, sometimes the conversation is, what did I get from this? What did I get from politics? What did I get from the city council? And I was like, that's part of it. But part of it is what did we do as a city to make a positive contribution to the world? To be a city of hope is not just for people who are inside Bristol. To be a city of hope is to be a city that contributes to the world's hope. Right? And again, that's not messianic, whatever it is. There are lots of cities, from Los Angeles to Barcelona to, to, uh, to New York to Freetown, where they are trying to uh, meet the needs of their population, be places where people have hope. But our contribution to global conversations. So I sit on the Mayor's Migration Council, along with Yvonne Aki Sawyer, who's done a fantastic TED Talk, by the way, if you look her up. She's the Mayor of Freetown. Uh, and I'm on there with the mayor of Montreal, the mayor of Los Angeles, the mayor of Oman, and, and, um, uh, and we are trying to shape global policy on migration so that it is more humane. Uh, and, by the way, one of the things that mayors in the Global South say is, uh, yes, create good conditions for people to arrive into, support them, but we don't want to lose our populations in the first instance. Migration is not just about where people end up, it's about the circumstances that drive people to leave in the first instance. The mayors in the global side do not want to leave uh, to lose uh, those people. So ma making that positive contribution to the planet. The, the complexity we face now with the pandemic uh, is this, is that COVID has unlocked uh, processes or, 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 or accelerated processes, you might say, that actually compound all our inequalities. So those who are most marginal to the economy, most marginal to hope, get hit first and hardest by COVID. We've seen that, right? People, low income, overcrowded housing, frontline jobs, um, dying first. That's not to take away from the medics on the frontline, you know, jobs being hit, but on the whole as a population, it's the poorest who get hit first 
are hard, it's black people, Asian people, and, and, and so forth. Um, and they will be least well-placed to benefit from any uptick when it comes in the economy, by definition. A whole bunch of opportunity comes along. If your mental health has uh, you know, gone through the floor, you haven't got a house, you haven't had any security, you've lost confidence, you, know, you don't have the connections, you will not benefit. So we're meeting these challenges, trying to hold our society together, tackle health, all those things I said at the start. But the underlying processes in our, in our country, and our world right now, are, dri are driving uh, more um, inequality. Bloomberg, I was on a call with uh, Bloomberg Cities. I've, I get an amazing opportunity to ask to speak to a gathering of U.S. mayors um, a little while ago. And what Jim Anderson, who works with Bloomberg, said was that they described now the four great crises of our time. Pandemic, economic downturn, racial tumult, as in uh, come off the back of George Floyd, and climate change. Now, we in the UK can add to that Brexit because we don't quite know how that is going to land. Whether you're a Brexiteer or not, we cannot deny that no one had a clue how it's going to play itself out. <laughs> so that added uncertainty uh, and chaos in, in the context in which we are. Now, I'm not going to... Uh, policies are there, right? We're going to... We're lobbying government to front-load investment in green infrastructure. We'll be trying to build a mass transit, build houses. To be honest, the policies are going to be much the same. So I'm not going to talk about specific solutions because they're not on the back of an envelope. Um, what I want to talk about is the attitude we take into that challenge. As I said, the Drucker point, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I want to use this story, which I think is one of the most amazing stories um, in the Bible. And it's about Jesus and a woman caught in adultery. So it says, at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of, Mo in, in the law of Moses commanded us uh, to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have the basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he hasn't answered them yet, um, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Uh, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now, leave your life of sin. Now that can often be taken as a story of uh, morality. Um, in there you get accusation versus graciousness. And there's something else about the trap I'll say in a minute. But I don't think this is, I mean, I, I, I don't go necessarily for kind of demoralizing, but... It's not, this is not, this is a story that absolutely describes the poor quality of our public discourse at the moment. Unless we improve the way we talk in public about these crises, right, replace accusation with graciousness, there are no solutions coming. Because it will be about finger pointing, there will be no camaraderie, there'll be no team, there'll be no space for people to explore um, ideas and solutions in a world in which the solutions, uh, many of them haven't yet been thought up because we haven't faced a crisis at this pace, at this scale uh, 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 before. 
I'm just, I love the story because you've got this contrast, the different pace. Think about this. One is, you know, they're not asking the question. They're not making the accusation because they want the betterment of uh, the, the, the woman. They're making it because they want to trap uh, someone. They're making the accusation uh, because it's, their, it's about them and their standing. And I don't think there's any greater treason than someone taking an important cause, an important point, an important argument, and using it not to advance that cause or that argument, right, but to advance themselves or to trap uh, someone else. And I, I, you know, I'm not one for, for quoting our local rag, but I did have a conversation with a former senior member of, of their team there and considering they facilitated, but he said, we're just on transmit. The whole city discourse at the moment is on transmit. No one's on receive. No one's on conversation. And that was from someone who actually is part of driving that transmission culture <laughs> in, in, the, in the kind of the, the headlines that they do. And I do, and I'm really concerned. I think that, yes, we've got things going on at the moment in legislation, but I really think one of the one of the biggest threats to our uh, to our, our politics, our democracy, the health or the lack of it, is that inability for us to talk to each other publicly with graciousness, and that too easy slide into accusation and alienation. Something what happens with accusation as well is often uh, the accusation comes and the accuser doesn't deal with truth. What they do is they they turn the accused into the thing they need them to be, rob them of any nuance, rob them of any other dimensions, make them single dimension. And look, I'm not going to pretend, right? I've, I'm in the heart of the storm, so I'm talking from some uh, some lived experience, but it's not just about my experience. It's just I've seen it time and time again. When I was at Yale, I went for um, breakfast with Stanley McChrystal, General Stanley McChrystal, and... Um, I'd read about him and he was ex-Special Forces, he was head of the US forces in Afghanistan and I'm going to meet him and I was expecting to meet this alpha, you know, meathead, you know, unqualified patriot and all that. And I'm sure he's qualified, um, qualified patriot and all that sort of stuff. But what I actually met was a very thoughtful um, human being. And one of the things he said was that the price of getting involved in public life is now so high that good people won't do it. And he fears for public leadership. Um, and you'll only end up with two types of people, people who have no ability to hear criticism or people who pay any price uh, to get power. And, and, and when we look around, again, the way we do discussion, the way we do uh, debate, is it making the space for the reconciliation, for the, the, the shared working, for the exploration, for the experimentation, for the personal journey that uh, some people uh, need uh, to go on to be able to, 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 first, to, to draw on that collective intelligence uh, we have. So I really uh, fear. Note two, at the end, that final line, Jesus doesn't say, well, neither do I condemn you. Carry on. There's the servant of the, of the cause, the betterment, you know, the better living circumstances of that woman. But he did it with a graciousness, not with the accusation, not with the one-up personship, you know, not with the sense of hierarchy and self-importance and, uh, and all the rest of it that we find um, in, in, in the accusers. I think the, the, the final thing I'll just uh, pay off with um, is 
the church is clearly not immune to this, right? The church has been a part of this in the, in the past. This is not just something in the public domain. And so there's a long, hard look that the church needs to have a look at itself. To what extent has it set that example uh, for, 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 the, for the rest? And, um, you know, I, 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 I will share while I'm here, I've been dismayed over recent years, particularly at the church in the U.S., um, around Trump, I was absolutely dismayed, and, I, and I'll, I said to a leader recently, at what point is our experience, understanding, interpretation, and application of God so different that we have to say it's a different God? Martin Luther King, in his letter from Birmingham Jail, I always quote King, but said, "I've walked through your cities, I, you know, I walked through your towns, I've seen your seminaries, I've seen your church spires, and I thought to myself, who worships there? Who is their God?" And I think that that's an easy, that's a very easy statement, uh, sentence for me to quote, but it's actually of profound significance if we take someone like King uh, seriously and take seriously the, the possibility that he had uh, a connection with God and, and was serving out, you know, a, you know, a purpose. And I think that as we see all that stuff going on around us, the, you know, the, the, the binary, the, 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 the compartmentation, well, I can't get the word out, but sticking people in boxes <laughs> and, and turning them into what we need them to be so we can accuse them and stand against them and all that sort of stuff. There's a massive question the church has to ask about itself about um, uh, how does it set a different kind of you know, an example. There's been an absolute failure that's been on global show in the United States and I think it's really important, one, that we challenge that and two, that we, we set a different example here. Okay, thank you. I'm open for disagreement <laughs> on anything I said. <laughs> right. Thank you, Marvin. Um, as, as always, a real depth and richness with that. And uh, just, isn't it, I'm really grateful. I think a lot of us are really grateful to have Marvin leading, us, leading the city. And, um, and you know, the way that he... he deals with and shares these issues and, is, and just like he says open to disagreement and uh, I think those reflecting on what he brought uh, I think for us there are two two particular sort of takeaways and things that we can do uh, one of them is to pray and uh, and we know that prayer is the kind of invisible power that brings the presence and the, and the purposes of God into into the world and uh, so and then the second thing we can do, I think, is do stuff. And uh, there was lots of things within what, what Marvin said that we can pick up and put into practice in the way that we live our lives. And don't have to be mayor to be able to have this level of impact. That, that, that the whole design on the, on, on the church, um, God's design is that he puts, he uses us, uh, people uh, who are following him, to, to bring life and to bring light to the world does it through others as well but but we're particularly called to be salt and light aren't we and and to 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 to, to demonstrate the goodness and presence of god and there's so much of what marvin was saying there so you know whatever our scale of influence if it's just if it's just one person that we i don't know connect with in the week and that and that's it um or if there's thousands of people that we're leading or in connection with us or somewhere in the middle most of us um then uh, we have these opportunities to for example um, not jump into judgment and criticism, to, uh, to, to, to be gentle, to be kind, to hear other people and what they're saying. 
to, to recognise the complexity of, of the world and, and, and argument and so on. And to look to put ourselves, actually, to speak up on behalf of people who can't speak for themselves or, to, or who, those who are being oppressed in whatever way. These opportunities will come to us, whether it's um, stepping out in a conversation we overhear two friends having where maybe, the, maybe it's inappropriate and, and it's the confidence to say, hey, actually... Why don't we look at that from a different perspective, or could we could we bring a different, uh, a more positive uh, encouragement to that to that rather than just jumping on that headline and, and slamming everyone? So I'm sure that from what Marvin has um, has brought, there'll be things that you can think of that apply to your own life. And uh, this is the um, I think part of the privilege of, of 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 hope is that we are spread right across the city. There are people involved in all different sorts of roles, not just in the city, but in the, in the villages and towns around Bristol as, as well. So we, we together, as this community of faith, have the opportunity in our daily life to go about addressing some of the, some of the challenges, some of the things that aren't right, as, as Marvin's highlighted. And at the same time, as we go, as we live a different way, as we speak um, a, a better word, as we have, as we as we live with a, with a hope and a courage to um, to, to change and to see uh, better things happen, let's also pray. So I'm going to do that now, and and then we then we'll wrap up. We're going to have, as always, we'll have um, uh, a Zoom a Zoom space after the service. If you want to join that to to chat and maybe pray and process some more of this, then we'll put the link in there shortly. And then next Friday, um, Good Friday service here and Easter Sunday experience. Um, and again, we'll put the link into the, um, into the chat um, of the live stream in, in just a minute. So let's pray, shall we? Um, in the Anglican Church, um, they, they pray a prayer of confession. I haven't been to an Anglican Church for quite a long time, so forgive me if I get this wrong. But it's something like they pray, they, they ask for forgiveness for, um, for our sins that we're aware of and those that we're not. And... Um, and let's, let's start off by, by doing that and, and saying, Lord, we, 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 we confess and, and we repent that we have been like in the, in the account that Marvin read um, of the woman caught in adultery. We've been like the people wanting to throw the stone. And uh, we've been quick to point the finger and accuse other people uh, and look down on people, feel that we're better, uh, turn a blind eye to injustice, not to speak up. Uh, when we could have done and uh, we confess that uh, as being wrong and we, when we repent which means we want to go in a different direction we want to change our direction and, and do things your way instead and we're sorry as well where there's, where there's, we confess as well whether mindsets or things that we do or don't do that are wrong without us even realising it and again we just repent and want to orient ourselves in a better direction so we pray for each of us pray for us as a, as a, as a church in our daily lives, our workplaces, our communities, our homes. May we be um, carriers of that better story. May we be influencers for good. May we be like you were Jesus with that woman caught in adultery, showing mercy and kindness and, and love and, and, and wanting relationship and wholeness. We say yes to that challenge and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you, that you work it out in us and through us. Amen. And we also just bless Marvin and, and his family. Just we thank you for them and, and for all those that are leaders in the city. Uh, we bless those in the, in the police 
Andy Marsh and, and all of the other uh, police officers um, within the city as well. We, we, we bless those and, and all of those in authority, all of those in, in the council. Uh, thank you, Lord, for these people who are leading us. And we recognise it's really difficult. We recognise that often there is no straightforward good answer. It's the kind of best of two bad possibilities. And um, so we just uh, we, we bless them and we cheer them on and we just say thank you that you've put these people uh, in position. You, it does say that you, in the Bible that you put people in authority. And so we, we trust that, um, that, that, that they're there and, and we submit to their, to, to their authority. And we pray for your help in the complexity of how to walk uh, in, in, in the midst of all this stuff. Thank you. Amen. Great. So I'm going to post these a uh, couple of links for you and then we'll end our live stream there. Uh, great to be with you. Do carry on uh, walking and praying.